This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning from uh, your sous chef of the garden. Correct. The under, under, under garden. <laughs> That's right. Way down as low as <laughs> Even you Even after 11 years. Yeah, I know. I... You've still got about five <laughs> unders in front of your uh, gardener. Still crawling along in the grass, dragging <laughs> my wine bag, as you do. That, you've and, been uh, a good t- a yeah. student that way. Well, thank you. My little thank grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> hey, since the last time we got together to yes. do this show, as you know, uh, last Sunday. You were off to? Uh, London, Ontario, to go to my Crumlin Public School <laughs> reunion. Unbelievable. And I had such a great time. There were about 40 people there. I was amazed. Did you all wear very large name tags? Because nobody <laughs> yeah. looked like well, yeah, they but, looked. But it kept falling off. You know? <laughs> I, was, I felt like uh, Mr. Ford and his uh, stickers on the whole gas pump falling off. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I met I met uh, some gang that I hadn't seen like in 60 years. 60 years. Right? Uh, the Rolling Sisters. And uh, I was so darn pleased to see... Dwight James, the kid who used to live uh, at that time, uh, two houses away from me on Highway 2, just outside of this little hamlet called Crumlin. And as I was telling you, one of the funniest things, we wrote a poem (laughs) that we sent to Saturday Evening Post and got a reply. A rejection. We got eight or nine at the time. Yeah, but it was a very nicely worded rejection saying, thank you, you know, you didn't make it quite for publication this time, (laughs) but keep sending us the material and don't give up, you know. So we shared this letter every month, you know, yeah. it'd go to his house and then it'd come to my house. That's and, great. And it was just uh, so much fun. So when you so, when you and Dwight fell into <laughs> yep. each other's arms, did you recognize each other? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But it was oh. a hoot. Oh, God, we had a, we had a great time. Though. That's fun. Just super. And I was also at a, a memorial service on a more serious note. However, at that, uh, at that meeting... Uh, uh, one of the mothers of a very talented singing group mm-hmm. uh, handed me the card. And the card is Wild Blueberries. That's the name of this trio. They're here in Toronto. They are excellent. Oh, you, they wait. sing They sing like the Andrew sisters oh. or the Boswell sisters. Huh. And uh, so I've been in touch with them. And I'm going to be starting to at least play at least one of their their numbers on the big band show. Oh, wonderful. Uh, Which is Sunday night. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll happen not this Sunday, but the following, the following Sunday. Yeah. But I'm, I'm tickled to death. At the, so the, you did you go? You went and listened to them? I, they sent me a, oh, a, 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 a demo tape. Oh. And it is so good. Very cool. Yeah. So there, that's my You're exciting. You're just so connected. I know. I just can't. But you know, we've got to get callers into this show. So look at the Feel free numbers. to get to work on your real job. Well, all right. All right. <laughs> In Toronto, my friends, give a call to 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And our little mantra is call often. No, call early, call often. (laughs) One question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Duncan, our operator, know... 
And yeah. that's what you're going to hear before you get to the air. Your wings. wings. You, and then yeah, you, you earn fly. Speaking of flying, I yeah. got a great email. Yeah. I just want to share this with you from uh, Dave Lasher. Okay. He's writing from Bloomfield, New York, which he says is about 30 miles southeast of Rochester. Mm-hmm. Sends me photographs. Uh, two photographs, two attachments, and it says, this is one of our tomatoes after using, I hope Warner's listening, after using the powder milk slash Epsom salt mix for the season. Yeah. Looks pretty good. Thanks for the info from one of your regular callers. And of course, that regular caller is Warner, yeah, who from calls Tilsenburg. us from Tilsonburg. Mm-hmm. And he's got that top secret recipe that we've been spreading <laughs> all over the world on how to get the best tomatoes ever. Well, look, look at the size of these the, tomatoes. It's like a basketball, yeah. for God's sake. Well, it's, well, it's huge. The crazy thing here, yeah. just see it. there we go, oh, sort of close to the camera. Yeah. So you can see the, the hand, This Dave's hand is dwarfed by the size of the tomato. That's right. That is a large tomato. So What a sandwich that would make, I huh? know. Whoa. So, yes, thanks for keeping us in the loop there, Dave, and thanks Warner, obviously, for your recipe. Speaking of which, yes. my website charliedobbin.com uh-huh. uh-huh. has been updated recently by my daughter, and there's a new section called Tips. So if you go to the website, look across the top, you know, the little banners across the yep. top, far right corner says Tips, click on Tips, and all your cool tips that you people are phoning into me. Including? Including uh, and everybody, of course, has given a um, their their name is attached to their tips, yep. but uh, including, yes, Warner's Epsom salt recipe is on my website now. There so you go. CharlieDobbin.com. Okay. And you, too, can have tomatoes <laughs> that look like Dave's and Warner's. <laughs> That's terrific. Okay. <laughs> now, look, usually you come by with a, a uh, list of uh, events happening no, in the area. No, I, I have a few emails with questions, which we yeah, can yeah. get into later in the show, but okay. I do not have a lot of events going on, okay. I guess. Everybody... Well, that's that's good, because I blew a whole bunch of time <laughs> on my high school reunion, or my public school But there's reunion. always events going on. Yeah. There's always local events mm-hmm. going on. Local Hort Societies, always something going on at right. Toronto Botanical Garden. Okay. We'll be along in just moments then to say hi to Chris in Dunville. You are listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and Frankie Proctor on Zoomer Radio AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. <laughs> Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, let's head out to Dunville, Ontario. There's Chris on the line. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. And Frank. And Frank, exactly. <laughs> <Reluctantly> so. <laughs> Charlie, just a quick question. I got uh, some... Uh, dwarf trees that have turned into uh, a lot bigger trees. There's just mm. water shoots mm. and stuff all over the gun mm. there and things. Mm. Apple trees. Uh, I need to uh, I need to get them kind of butchered. When's the best time of year to do that? I think I'm going to try to get somebody that knows what they're doing. Good idea. But, uh, yeah, they've gone. They, they look more like shrubs. They yeah. haven't been touched mm. for 10 years. Oh, yeah, that's hard. I know. Too bad. Be nice if we could sort of stay on top of those things so that when they are uh, things like apple trees need consistent care, consistent pruning, shaping mm-hmm. for maximum harvest. Right? Yeah, well, this is kind of an inheritance thing. Right, that happens too. Yeah, exactly. But they're, do... they're, they're healthy, and uh, the only thing that's been sprayed with is lime sulfur in the, the spring. But that's years ago now. Okay. Well, best time to trim any of the fruit trees, but particularly the apple trees, is late winter early spring. So where you live, it could be February, it could be March. It just depends how the season mm-hmm. is going. But you want it to be a dry weather, so it's not raining or snowing, uh, but you want everything to still be dormant. 
Right. So we're, we're post like super cold. It wouldn't be like 20 or 30 below. We're, you know, getting closer to, you know, the spring temperatures, but everything is still very dormant. You can see exactly what's going on and you have minimal leakage of any of the sap. Would you advise uh, Charlie as well for Chris to call maybe say Landscape Ontario to get an arborist in there to um, help out? Or maybe. What? I find a lot of the arborists don't know fruit trees. Oh, really? Yeah. Fruit trees are kind of a specialty unto themselves. But of course, Dunville is a very large agricultural community. So I wonder if maybe Chris could talk to some of his neighbors. Or well, just... there's a local uh, local horticultural society. Perfect. Oh. Yeah, there is. That's right. There and they'll have somebody up their sleeve who will know how to prune fruit trees because yeah. they're not just like a maple or an oak or something like that. Yeah. They're they're different. Yeah. So, but good idea. Spend get that call in. Get spend that yeah. money. You will be happy. You've let, done it. let us know how it goes, Chris. Okay. Oh, absolutely. But, what about the oak tree? Which one? The one year of your acorn. Oh, oh, I have I haven't planted any this year, but that's a good no, point. We yeah. should probably. Oh, no, no, you haven't talked about your little oak tree that you planted a couple of years ago. Well, it's still there. It's growing. Well, and Frank and I both planted some oak trees because we had a unfortunately, lot. Unfortunately, mine was over the septic tank. I didn't realize, oh, yeah, and that's that right. we had a problem. I had to dig it all up, and so they, away went my oak tree. I wonder if your darn. oak tree caused the problem. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they were just yeah. little. They're very, no. very slow growing. Yeah. But I did. Plant. How can I do that again? Well, know? it started because my daughter daughter wanted to give a present or or plant a tree in honor of her cousin who'd had a baby so it was yeah. all let's she had no money so it was like all right let's grow some oaks and uh yeah so they Good ended idea. up part um, planted in sort of the edges of some of the parks so they are still there yep. but um yeah so thanks for asking chris the, the yeah, lovely indeed. high park oaks thank you for uh, joining us here on a saturday morning it's a gorgeous day too mm-hmm. uh, oh hey frank reaches for the bell Yay. that is for first time caller ruth in dundas good morning ruth good morning welcome to the show Hello? Yes, Hello. go ahead, Ruth. Welcome to the show, Ruth. Go ahead. Um, my question is, the tuber's begonias had um, mildew, okay. and they all died back, and now they're all starting to grow again. What <laughs> yeah. do you do with them this fall? Are they in the ground or in pots? In pots. Okay, so what I would do, because you really don't want them growing over the winter, uh, because it's, there's just insufficient light. I mean, unless you have a, like a little mini greenhouse or a light, grow light setup, uh, what you want them to do is to go dormant again and encourage them to grow more in February, March rather than now. If you have a greenhouse or a, a grow light setup, you can encourage them to grow. I mean, then you'll have flowers at Christmas. Why not? But you'll need that extra light, supplemental light. If you don't have that and you want them to go back to sleep and stay asleep till February, March, I would leave them outside until we've had some cool weather, even a very, very light frost. That will knock them right to sleep. That'll uh, give them a little bit of a very light frost. Nothing, you know, two, three degrees. They All those leaves will turn shrivelly and fall off. And then you're going to put them into a dark, cool location. Not, But it will be frost-free. Leave them in their pots. Just put them away for the winter and pull them out in February, March. Get them into some sunshine and they will start to grow in time to be beautiful next spring. And thank you. You're okay. very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Don't be a stranger. The door is always open here <laughs> in the garden show. Uh, we're going to be along to uh, say hi to Elizabeth, probably right around the corner here in Toronto, in just a couple of moments as we take our first break on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. 
This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, all right, Charlie, here we go, just around the corner here in Toronto. It's Elizabeth on the line. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Good morning. I've had this question for quite some time. I have uh, old raspberry canes, and quite a few of them, lots, and, uh, well, I say mature. Some of them are the old raspberries. Um, that are a bit sour, and then most of them are now the ever-bearing raspberries. Mm. This year, I only got just a very little fruit on them, but the fruit never, ever matured. Hmm. How much sun are they in? It's in half. It's, in, it's, it's been in the same area for years. Right, but the trees have gotten bigger? No, not necessarily. No, there's not extra shade. Oh. Because hmm. raspberries, <clears throat> sorry, I was going to say raspberries, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm got a tickle there. Raspberries uh, want full sun, minimum six hours of sun a day. Yes. To maximize your harvest. Right. A good soil. So not a tired old soil, but a soil that's amended annually mm-hmm. with composted manure mm-hmm. or homemade compost. All right. <clears throat> Last year, I laid um, the I left the leaves on the ground, but they were like the northern maple leaf. Oh, and I understand now that it might be a problem. Um, no, the only problem with maples is their large leaves. When they fall to the ground, they suffocate what's below because they're big and flat. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not a problem to leave Norway maple leaf material as mulch on your garden, Mm -hmm. but you want to run the lawnmower over those leaves first. Break it up. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Now, the the problem you're referring to, I think, is the fact that Norway maples get something called black spot. It's called tar spot. looks like somebody shook a paintbrush full of tar over top Mm -hmm. of the leaves. That will not affect your raspberries, so don't worry about that. Oh, fine. Thank you. Yeah, so the main thing with raspberries is to cut out, and you could do this now, remove with nice sharp pruners the old canes, the canes that have already borne Mm -hmm. fruit, whether it was edible or not. Um, So do some thinning, some cleaning out. Raspberries tend to get so congested and so overgrown and so prickly that they can be a bit of a challenge and a bit of work to maintain. But if you can really get down at ground level, do some clearing out, um, all canes are down to at least, you know, once they're finished bearing, down to only four to six inches tall. Oh, so should I, should I um, again, uh, taking care of my raspberries, should I this time of year put, cut them back? If they finished bearing, if you have some that are still producing some raspberries, you're going to want to leave those alone because that's what ever bearing raspberries do. And it's a beautiful sunny mm-hmm. day. So the raspberries are still growing, right. but, uh, but you will have some canes that have no evidence of any fruit and they will have show evidence of having borne fruit. And those, and I, can, I can cut them down to half high, four to six inches tall. Really? Yeah. Wow. I've never done that. Yep. <laughs> it's time to rejuvenate your raspberry plot. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, marvelous. Okay. <laughs> oh, us... And I can do it this time of year? Yes, yeah, yep. Oh, well, I know where I'm going. There you go. It's a perfect day for it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Loping off with the loppers. It's, it's Elizabeth in Might Toronto. need a scythe yeah. or something. <laughs> hey, thanks, Elizabeth. All right. Thank Good luck with that. Thank you very much. Okay. We'll be over so for some raspberries yeah, next, raspberry next summer. Pie. I love raspberries. Mm, oh, yeah. That sounds darn good. I might just have to grow some actually out where I'm living. <laughs> I've got the room. <laughs> yeah, you do. 927 here on a beautiful Saturday morning in Toronto, and we get out to Caledonia. There's Mabel. Hi, Mabel. Good 
Good morning, Charlie and Frank. How are you this morning? Great, thank you. Excellent, thank you. It's a beautiful gardening day. Isn't it? I just called to tell you thanks, Charlie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was the lady who'd called a few weeks ago regarding that gardenia bush. Right. That had those mealybugs. Yeah. (laughs) And did you actually go after them? I did. I took a Q-tip and some... uh, Rubbing alcohol, Good. and what a job that is. Oh, yeah. Because there was about 50 buds on it at that time. Right. And uh, I I spent a lot of time being as careful as I could. Yeah. And uh, I've had four uh, blooms since then. Nice. Wow. Good for you. Beautiful. And uh, yesterday I went over it again because I could see the odd little one here and there. <laughs> oh, good. With a magnifying glass, I hope. <laughs> Well, now some I noticed that some, even where the little branches came together, they were trying to get in there mm-hmm. because I told them to get a new home, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they, they're sneaky little things. I mean, that's they're all about survival, right? Those yes. pests. Now, uh, when I want, I'll, I'll soon have to bring that in mm-hmm. before the frost, of course. And <laughs> do you think that it's been uh, eradicated enough that, they won't uh, come back as soon as I bring it in? Or do you think I'll have to do this again? Hard to say. All you need is one to survive. Mm-hmm. Right? So it really, <clears throat> I would really do, well, a couple of things I'd probably do is uh, get out that magnifying glass, do what you've been doing very carefully, killing individual mealybugs. Then before you bring it in, I would get a hold of or make up a mixture of a soap and water solution. So not detergent, but soap. Right. I so, had used that in the early part. Yeah. Safer yeah. soap. Yeah, yeah so perfect. safer soap is the one that you buy at the store, or you can get soap. And it's a, the mix is 40 parts water to one part soap. <clears throat> and I would make sure that on a day, like you move the gardenia out of the direct sunlight. It could be a day like today, but make sure there's no direct sun. And I'd give that, that whole gardenia a very thorough spray, a soft spray, but a thorough mm-hmm. soapy shower on the entire plant. Let that drip and let that dry. So an hour or so later, again, a very soft water wash off of all that soap. That's just before you take it in. And that's just going to be a way to clean off dust, clean off any little mm-hmm. bits and pieces of spiders or anybody who's decided to ride in on that plant and hopefully any mealybugs. See, when mealybugs are babies, they're very vulnerable to soap. When they get a little bit older, they produce that waxy secretion yeah. on their backs, and now the soap can't get through. So any newly hatched uh, mealybugs can be controlled with that soap solution, and the gardenia will be able to handle that as long as it's not in a sunny location. And do the the earth as well? Yeah, I probably would. A lot of times people, I mean, mealybug aren't living in the soil, but there could be sow bugs, there could be things. So people often do like just a soap, soapy water drench sure. So through mm-hmm. the soil. So again, you'll water with the soapy water and then you'll water with clean water afterwards and you're just going to run that soap through the soil. Gardenias do like to be kept on the moist side, so that's going to not be a problem in terms of all that moisture. They do love a lot of sun though, so that might be your challenge when you take it inside. I you think need- I'll probably lose a lot of them. That's the reason I would like to leave yeah. it out as long as I possibly can. Exactly. And if you can, if we are getting a cool night, just get it in under a roof, like a porch or something, mm-hmm. and it'll protect it from some of those early frosts. Thank you, and you All have right. a good day. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for really? calling. Glad yeah. for the update. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Let's see old stomping grounds I'm heading to now. Uh, Lindsay, <laughs> Ontario. There's Doug. Hi, Doug. Good morning. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Um, my glad's Mm-hmm. It was a lousy year for growing anything up here this year, but anyhow, mm-hmm. uh, 
when do I cut them uh, back and do I have to bring the bulbs inside? You do, way? yeah. They will not survive if you leave them outside. Gladiola is a tropical or a tender um, corm. It's technically a corm, just in case any of my students are listening. I have to be correct. We were just talking about this yesterday in class. So it, we call it a bulb, but it actually is a modified stem and everything's mm-hmm. all smushed into that corm. The plants... Um, I would wait until they've had a light frost and the, the green has gotten all kind of falling down unless right now it's all just brown and shriveled. It's, if there's any green happening, let the green continue because the photosynthesis is fattening up and, and the, the corms you planted will shrivel up. So the mothers are, are gone, mm-hmm. but there should be lots of little babies all the way around. Yeah. So you'll be harvesting all that. And when we store glads over the winter, just use an old pair of stockings or an onion bag, like a net bag. They do, they don't want to be p- packed mm-hmm. away in soil. They need air circulation, dark, cool air circulation. Okay. All right. Very good, thank you. And okay, pray good. that next yep. spring it's not so cold and not so wet, because yeah. that's what oh. happened. It was just yeah. so cold was and so wet. It was a kind of a spring and, yeah, and We had a very too. dry summer here. Yeah, yeah, and then it popped yeah. into like super hot and dry. So we kind of had yeah. both extremes. And that worked certainly where I'm living, out in Prince Edward County. The tomatoes, the corn, the, even the peaches out of Niagara were very good this year because of all that heat yeah. and that Delicious. sun. Delicious. Sweets, lots of sweetness. Yeah, yeah. But it was a very late year to get things planted because of the, the wet. Well, thanks, Doug. Thank you. Okay, have a great weekend, and thanks for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Uh, As Doug hangs up, that leaves a line open. So let's uh, plug those lines, all righty? In Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And off we go to Ancaster. Frank on the other end of the line. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Frank. Good morning to you both. Um, I got a, a question to ask you, but, for, but just before I do, I'm, I'm going to bring, uh, you were talking a little bit about tree planting a, a earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to bring a little bit of a cautionary uh, note towards you. I worked with a plumber many, many years ago with my uncle, and we used to uh, do a lot of maintenance plumbing mm-hmm. on roots that got into the weeping tile and right into oh, the yeah. toilet systems within mm-hmm. the house. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, uh, reason being, People plant trees too close to their house, and I'll mm-hmm. always remember that. He always told me, he says, do not plant a tree that close to your house because their roots look for the first uh, yeah, point moisture. of water, particularly in the thaw, and they get it. We went through toilets, I couldn't tell you, and people mm. put acid in them, and they oh. always thought there was something else wrong, but it was a root at the very bottom. Yeah. Yep. Uh, most most concerning are willow trees. And I right. Think, uh, no, they go over hundreds well of feet. Yeah. Right? Uh, <sighs> so, Keep those trees away from the borderline of your house. Really good point. You're absolutely correct. Uh, I support what you said. And you know what? I've got that happening right now in my world because I've got a brand new house, brand new massive weeping tile, and a hot western sun coming in the front of my house. And it's like, uh, I really want to get some trees, really want to get some shade happening there, but where am I putting trees in order to not impact the weeping tile? Oh boy, a good eight feet, a good eight feet minimum. Oh, minimum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. Now the question. Yeah. Um, on uh, nematodes that we apply onto our lawns at this uh, uh, to prevent mm-hmm. the uh, generation of grubs yes. that would uh, ensue from the from the um, June bug, of course. Mm-hmm. Now I I've been applying every year, but I this year I I applied a little later. Matter of fact, within the last week, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether I got it on thorough enough. Uh, um, mm-hmm. and, and I'd like to know whether I could make another application 
right now, again, as it rains, because we have to water this in. Yeah. I go to the garden centers, and everybody is kind of like shrugging their shoulders. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> what would you? What do you got to say? Would I be able to do that once more? Absolutely. After a week from uh, a goal. Absolutely. Remember, nematodes are not toxic chemicals. Now, what you're what you're actually putting on your lawn. Now, a couple of things that you obviously already know. The soil should be moist. You yeah. are applying the eggs, like millions of eggs of nematodes. What's a nematode? Uh, a nematode is another word is wire worm. So a nematode looks like a piece of a, a strand of hair. Really. Yeah. Super tiny. And they mm-hmm. are going to live in your soil and they're going to move around in the liquid that runs between the particles of the soil. And they're going to find the grubs that hatched in the last mm-hmm. six weeks and they are going to start eating them. They're going to just chow down and kill them. They are very effective if they can find the grubs, but they move mm-hmm. in the liquid that's in between the particles of soil. So when people right. fail, they, they spend the money. On the nematode eggs, they do the application and they say, well, that didn't work. It's like, well, then you obviously didn't follow the instructions. Water it enough. You gotta be, it's gotta be moist to start. We apply with water and then depending on your soil drainage and, and, you know, forecasts, you water again because that it's the, it's that moisture that makes all the difference. So if you're worried that your first application wasn't with enough moisture, then I would do it again. If you're confident you had enough moisture, then I would say, don't worry. It, it is a process. It's not a, quick and dirty solution to any of your problems. It's it's just a process. It will happen. Not all grubs will die, but you will lower the population dramatically if you put the eggs in the right area. What do you think of this? I have permanent cedars bordering my property mm-hmm. and I have uh, uh, trimmed them down and they grow laterally. They, they've merged laterally. And I've been told that the roots now, and I, I, I can see this because my lawn is very acidic, but anyway, the, the roots travel in along the underneath of the, of the lawn uh, at some depth, don't mm. get me wrong. And, and someone said that the the June bug larvae could be underneath some of those roots mm. and that the, you have to get that water in there so that the nematodes can travel that far. Yeah. Oh, it's true. <laughs> oh, does that make sense to you or Absolutely. Not? Grubs are root feeders. They don't, they're not after your turf necessarily. They'll eat any roots. Well, they're vegetarians uh, is the bottom line, right? So they're just looking for vegetable matter to eat. So what, they could end up in your vegetable garden. They could end up in, like you say, in this area of a cedar hedge. The, th- the thing we know is that when the beetles are mating and having these wild parties, they're up in the trees typically, and they're chowing yeah. down on the trees and copulating, and then the females drop directly down from that high point to the ground and drop their eggs directly beneath a high structure where uh. they've just been having a grand old time. So. It's you quite sound so authentically describing this. Uh, I'm, have you done a video over watching them do this? <laughs> I have tracked. I have tracked beetles for many years. Trust me. I was once in a park in Guelph where they all emerged out of the ground. It was amazing. Oh, it, was, wow, yeah. it could have been a scary movie, but it was actually really amazing. So what you want to do is, is, is there's no question they could have been having wild times in your cedar hedge, and then drop directly down to the ground. It just right on the perimeter of that hedge, drip line, so to speak, uh, yeah. and lay their eggs there. So absolutely, you can suspect grubs anywhere where you've got a high point. The edge is quite often off the eaves of a house. It's just that's that straight down. Mm-hmm. That's where the eggs are, are, are dropped. Any sense, any sense at spraying the cedars as well? or No, no, not no. going to do any it's good. It's got to be in the ground. Yeah, yeah. 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 they're in the ground. 
Thank you so much. Right. Very okay, well. Frank, You're thanks. Very welcome. You raised a number of great, great points this morning, Frank. Way to go. <laughs> nice to have you aboard here on uh, Zoomer Radio. And in fact, we've bumped up to our next break, and we're going to give uh, Charlie a chance to catch her breath. <laughs> She's going hell-bent for leather here. And, oh, gee whiz, we've, we've got an Adele uh, waiting on. Uh, is she going to sing to us, maybe? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. We'll find out. She's in St. Catharines. We'll be checking in in just a moment. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, Charlie, the time has arrived to find out whether Adele is going to sing for her breakfast or not. (laughs) Hi, Hi, Adele. I'm sorry, I don't sing. <laughs> That's okay. You don't, you don't even want to hear me sing. <laughs> okay. yeah, I'd say something like that, too. Alrighty. Okay, now, I have another beetle question. Mm. Uh, two years ago, I lost every lily in my garden from those crazy little red beetles. Mm. Like, I had a 15-foot edge wow. of those nice, low uh, red lilies. They were magnificent. Mm. All gone. All Everyone. Oh, man. And did you, were you able to save the bulbs or they, they disappeared? No, in the they process? ate everything. By the time mm. I realized what was going on, mm. they were it was devastated. Too late. Too late. Yeah. Yeah. Way once, too late. Once they infest, they do chew a lot and they'll chew every part of the lily. Every part. Every, Flowers, every, buds, every leaves, inch. stems, everything. There, yep. There wasn't even a leaf left anywhere. <sighs> Damn it was them. Nuts. Yeah. Now, what I'm wondering is now all of this, that was two summers ago. Mm-hmm. Now, last summer, I had no lilies. Right. This summer, I had no lilies. Right. Can I try it again, or will they still be around? They're still around. Yeah. <gasps> I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, so, so just to. What about to, a can of lily? Will they go but, after those? I was just going to say, just to be clear for anybody who's listening, no, they will not go after canna lily. They will not go after day lily. What they're going after are the true lilies. So, lilium, that's lilies that grow from bulbs. So it might be, you might have stargazer lilies. There's, um, you know, all kinds of lilies that we, or East, even an Easter lily, sometimes people put them outside and they grow. So that's what the lily leaf beetle goes after. And yes, they just devastate. Now, if you're retired or you're at home and you can do this kind of thing, you can go out there a couple times a day. They're, they have certain times a year where they're more active and they're doing more damage and they're quite easy to squish. They make a kind of a nice little squeaky on, sound yeah. when you squish them. <laughs> it's no, kind of yes. satisfying. <laughs> so, um, so there's that. Uh, but they are, yeah, they are a real problem. And they really just arrived in Ontario about ooh, maybe 10, 12 years ago. They haven't been here that long, but they're very happy and they're annihilating. They also go after uh, some of the other, like the fritillaria. area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's other, and lily of the valley, for example. So there's a few other plants they go after besides lilium. Well, you know what? I've got tons of lily in the valley, and they never bothered them. They oh, were too good. busy with the big uh, lilies. Yeah, they preferred those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, yet, and yet three doors down, the girl has beautiful uh, starburst lilies this year. Well, Nothing. No. And well, no. you know, there you go. I mean, this is the time of year. You you should see lilies for sale at this time of year in some of the, the garden centers. I'm, They're I'm not, not expensive. I mean, <clears> you could try. 
Well, but it's one of those things that, I mean, I, yeah, I've, over the years, I, the best lily I ever had survived the lily leaf beetle with a very, very tall lily. And I think it was just so high. They got exhausted. Yeah, exactly. They, they never <laughs> climbed that high. So they might go up the first foot or two, but they never went yeah. up the next three or four feet. Cause I mean, we're talking six foot or, and taller oh, lily, wow. like really big. And they, the few leaves at the bottom were missing, but who cares about that? Wow. It was all about the tops the anyway. CN Tower of Lilies. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so think of height. That might make a difference as well just to try and get because they're these are ground they they do all their egg laying etc in the in the soil at the base so now you say they're still here mm. how are they how are they growing i have no more lilies um well they might not be necessarily on your property uh they're scouting around looking for something to eat but the, the po- oh. remember population is always going to be connected to food availability just like right, coyotes right. and rabbits right we get lots of rabbits we get lots of coyotes until there's no more rabbits then we have fewer coyotes yeah. so yeah. it's the same with the red lily leaf beetle there will be some in your property if you were going to try lilies again i would say plant them somewhere very far from where they were planted. Oh, no, no. I'm not trying them again because, (laughs) you know what? But I will. We've downsized our garden so much. Mm. I need some spring color. Mm. Uh, And and I think maybe in the spring. Do I plant canna lilies in the spring? Yes, but yeah. Yeah. You purchase them in the spring and plant them in the spring because they're not frost hardy. But think about bulbs. Have you got things like daffodils out there and crocuses? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Good. Because I say for spring, we want to make sure we've got... You know, flowers. But right I, I from want the a whole to the summer end. ray of color in the summer, yeah. and those candle lilies are beautiful. They are, and there's some gorgeous ones out there with variegated yep. leaves and all kinds of. Absolutely, so, absolutely. And okay, you're in the you, Garden Charlie. City. You'll be able to find some beautiful yeah, cannas. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Niagara on the Lake is is lined with. Them. I know. They, they do an are amazing, amazing job. Go sneak out in the middle of the night and dig one up and take it home. <laughs> Just well, a little one. Caught. I'll get caught. <laughs> Adele, no, no, no. even though you didn't sing, I was delighted to have you in the show. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for calling. Thanks. Frank, give me your um, email address. I want one of your little uh, oh, my books? Canal books. Oh, yes. absolutely. Sure. Uh, this would be a neat little uh, Christmas gift for, and I'll, I'll dedicate it to whoever you want, you know, your grandkids, whatever. Just uh, write me at f. Yeah. Proctor. that's P-R-O-C-T-O-R, at uh-huh mzmedia.com. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Adele. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's great. It's a yeah. great book. Yeah, I love it's it. a lot of, in fact, I just, Jeremy Logan, who is uh, our new news guy, new from, guy yeah. for, uh, Broadcaster. for the weekend here, just a great newscaster. Yeah. I love his voice. And I just gave uh, one of my books for his niece, uh, Eden. So, oh, sweet. yeah, yeah, it's great fun. Great fun. But thank you. We have to take another little break here and then we'll be along to uh, go out to Cam- uh, Cambria, I believe it is. And Catherine will be waiting on the line there for us to answer and get on the air here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, Franklin Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden. Very and formal. <laughs> and quite, we, the, uh, the sources want to know. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen, is is uh, your your town where you live, Cambry or Cam- Cambry? It's Cambry. We're just a little west, the northwest of Lindsay. Yeah, Sarah. gotcha. I, I know where I, you are. So I could that. be a neighbor to Doug. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> My question to you, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, morning. Charlie, anyway. Mm. Uh, I have a strawberry shrub bush that was given to me in the springtime in a, plant, in a hanging plant. Oh, yeah. And this thing is still growing mm-hmm. strawberries. Mm-hmm. 
and new buds, new flowers. Sweet. Is it too late to plant it? No, not at all. Or should I bring it inside? No, don't bring it inside. It'll just end up with all kinds of issues over the winter. No, you can leave it in the pot and you can sink it pot and all into your garden. And then next spring, once the ground thaws and the weather's nice, pop it up out of the ground, wash it all off and hang it back up. You could do that. Or you could take the whole thing out of the pot and get it in the ground now. It It's not too late. It is clearly already the third week of September, but we've had such mild weather. Oh, wow, yeah. It's all about soil temperature, which is still very, very warm. So when oh, okay. we have warm soil, plants are extremely happy to be transplanted or planted into a warm soil because the roots will get growing right away. And that's what you want. You want the roots to get a little bit established so that even in the winter, when the ground starts to freeze, the plants don't get popped up out of the ground because they've got that root growth happening. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Should I protect it in any way just in case it's going to be on the northeast side? Um, if you're going to protect it, I would protect it with some leaves, maybe some chopped up leaves once we get colder. Don't do any protection when it's warm. Wait until we've had, you know, some good hard frost. And at that point, I mean, it's going to be a, a low mound of leaves, et cetera, at ground level. People will often use something like straw if you have straw to work with. Uh, or even, like I say, leaves mm-hmm. are easy because we most of us have those just around the plant. Uh, and do whatever you need to do just to ensure those don't blow off in the winter. So a little bit of soil on top of that, but clean it all away as soon as the weather starts to get nice in the spring. Oh, perfect. Counting the days away. Yeah, good stuff. (laughs) I don't want to lose this plant because, as I said, it's still tons of strawberries on it. And the the new roots, the new shoots. Yeah, the little baby daughter plants. Yeah, yeah, they're they're producing, like, all the way down there, about three, I don't know, about, Three, three feet. I know. Oh, so, oh, wow. I mean, you really, you could start a whole strawberry farm here. You realize you could chop all oh, those little forward to baby it plants. Lots of rhubarb. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Charlie, Charlie yeah. and I are looking forward to is an invitation for that strawberry pie. With the uh, rhubarb, yeah, Yeah, with exactly. the rhubarb, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you could do that. <laughs> so, I, I, well, I will mark that in the spring, and when I start cooking. Right. Okay, give us a call. For you. <laughs> Great stuff, uh, Kathleen. Thanks, Thank you very Kathleen. much. <laughs> okay, hey, uh, in Cambridge. Kelly is on the line. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question for you. I planted two concrete planters. Um, They're probably, oh, the interior is probably six inches wide, and they're probably 15 inches long. And I've planted them with a variety of Henson chicks, sedum, some succulents, Mm -hmm. and they look nice. I bet. (laughs) I wonder... Some of them won't winter over. Mm-hmm. Can I? I don't know what the, what I could do. Could I mm-hmm. dig out some of the the tender ones and, and try to winter those over and leave the hens and chicks in, or should I try to bring the whole planter in? No, don't I don't. Do I that. don't have adequate light. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, concrete's just not going to move easily, right? It's just mm-hmm. going to be all That's too much. True, yeah, <clears throat> too hard on the back. What I would do is. Depending on where are they located, they're the sort of front or back, or what direction do they face? They get south sun all day. Okay, so it's a bright sunny location. Right. And knowing that the prevailing wind comes from the west or the northwest, how exposed are they to that in for winter? They're sitting on a patio, which is probably kind of they're they're in front of a a low wall that is maybe. 18 inches high, and and there's shrubs in that wall that overhang, and so they're sitting just in front of, hmm. of that. 
Okay, so here's what I would do. I would leave them exactly where they are. Yeah. What I, if you can, you're calling from Cambridge. Just to make sure, see, the sun isn't going to be a problem as long as you make sure they're well watered as we get cold. So just okay. before you put that hose away or, you know, it's November, yeah. we're really starting to get cold. Make sure that the, the soil has been well watered because remember that concrete will lose moisture through the concrete. The soil will lose moisture. At some point, it'll become such a little desert that the plants can can desiccate or dehydrate yes. it's a fine line of course between watering so thoroughly that it becomes a soggy mess and everything rots right so it, i'm assuming you're in a soil that's well drained which is what you would oh, need yeah, they, drain, they drain really well yeah. yeah um with your trowel before that that event that late sort of november event dig out anything that you believe is not hardy and pot it up individually into the little pots with again well-drained cactus type soil so it's uh, a potting mix that's had sand added to it or any kind of rough gravel to help with drainage bring those inside right. assuming you've got a sunny location or at least you can put them on a window ledge somewhere cool and just let them be slow and not do any growing this winter but keep them alive right. keep sure make sure you're not watering those much right because they're going to be not in the sun and if you can you probably don't need to do this it depends what kind of winter we have if it's a super cold 40 below winter with no snow then then the, the plants in the troughs could die. So to try and just be proactive and ensure that nothing dies, even a tough hens and chicks could die, Bag just bags of leaves that you've collected off the property around the troughs sitting there, uh, sort of stabilized, just as insulation, not over top, but on, on the sides, could be effective. Leave them in the bag. Yeah, the, yeah. the leaves mm. in the bags, bags tied up, and bags just as, because the leaves trap air. So it's that air that's going to just give you a little bit of insulation. Straw bales would do the same thing. Straw bales, are, and people used to put straw bales against their houses, right, on the north and west side for the winter. Do you know, Shirley, though, uh, uh, she says the mice get into those uh, straw, yes. the straw, and she goes through hell with them apparently yeah so. well she, she hates so, mice yeah so this that's area right. will get snow around it yeah snow if you, do the same thing if we get snow oh snow is exactly the same thing because snow traps air as well mm -hmm. right you've got that air, okay. the little snowflakes with air between so snow is a wonderful insulation if you will but i just it's sometimes hard to know that the snow is going to stay so that's why just to be absolutely sure any kind of i've done like the old winter blanket that's mm -hmm. sort of a there's these blankets you can get they're like felt done that just to provide a little bit of insulation around something that's tender uh, but blanket. you know Okay. southern side tends to be a warm side so you know you're very likely with the tough plants to have them survive you don't really know right every winter is a bit different but uh, worth yeah. it to bring in the, the tender ones for sure okay we, we've got a scoot actually okay. all, all right, right. Thank kelly you, thank you yeah thanks for calling and i'm sorry we I love have, the tough questions yeah you do you do <laughs> uh lorraine was online as well as a first-time caller from uh, guelph marlene ah, uh, so next time early around, yeah call often. <laughs> okay, we look forward to getting on the air next yes, next week, okay? Indeedy. Charlie, you have a wonderful week. I will, for sure. I've got a plate full of things to do, and yes, you? Yes, you do. Uh, yeah, I'll be back at 2 o'clock for all sorts of fun and games. All right, I got a carload of county produce that I'm going to drop off at my daughter's oh, place really? on, oh, okay. on my way out of town. All right. Big bags of apples and corn and peaches right. and everything. Delicious. Thank you, Duncan. Campbell's Orchards. Thanks, Duncan. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for the great calls. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.